Today's date is April 21st, 2019, and it's Resurrection Sunday in the name of Jesus. This morning, churches around the world are celebrating the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is the one time each year that rabbits lay eggs, right? Rabbits lay eggs equally. Church members put on their best Sunday clothes and sinners show up to pay homage to a king they do not serve. Come on, I grew up in a culture where I thought I was tipping God and acknowledging and honoring Him by showing up to His house one time a year and just letting my conscience be soothed for a moment and walk right outside the door and do whatever the hell I wanted to. Well, Sundays, Resurrection Sundays are a great opportunity to invite guests to church. But it's not just for that one time each year. It's a great opportunity for them to taste of the resurrection power that you have tasted of. Because the result is liberty and freedom from the power of sin. Might be, in fact, if you're from Louisiana, today is a spectacular day. But aside from Resurrection Sunday... It is the day that crawfish prices begin to decrease. It is the day that you no longer are confined to eat chicken and seafood on Fridays. You can then be liberated to eat the the carnivore uh, meat that God has given us. Of course, I do that every Friday, regardless of where I live. You know, there's a liberation that centers around resurrection. It is the centerpiece of our hope. It is the centerpiece of our faith. In fact, without resurrection, our faith is futile. You know, you may have been allured by the many Easter service ads you've seen on Facebook or TV or wherever else. Advertising, an Easter egg, helicopter drop. That's kind of an old thing now. But also something like one of eight identical church services being held. Meaning that if you go to one on a Sunday, don't worry, there are seven more just like it that you can go to. And when I think of a grave, I think of something that has rigor mortis. That is set in stone. In fact, there is a stone image that we celebrate on Resurrection Sunday that that stone has been rolled away. But when I, I think, not of just other churches, but hear me out, saints. Every great and powerful work of God has had the power of hell descended upon it to make it a tomb of the dead and once alive. That the very power of God that moves in this building, that moves in your hearts, in your lives, what these advertisements are that we see all around us are trying to just encapsulate or entomb the power and moving of God that once was. When we begin to say, if you experience this one service, and I can guarantee you that seven more are going to be structured and designed exactly like it, no change whatsoever, we would be going against the grain of the very name that God gave this church. The name of this church is Life Life Ministries. So if you are a part of this church and your life is not then something's wrong. Either something's wrong with you or something's wrong with us. But I can say that when we sense the presence of God in this place, when the lampstand of God is burning bright in this house, we have the confidence and the favor to know that at least we're clinging to that power that changes and transforms us. So we got to evaluate our hearts. My assumption is that The evidence of you sitting in those chairs is that you shook off the temptation to be entertained. And you're looking for the authentic presence, the authentic lampstand of God in this place. You want to experience the genuine resurrection power of God each and every time that we get together. I can say that it's more than just one out of every eight service. I can say that every service that we get together, I can know for sure that the presence of God is going to show up. I can know that the manifestation of His power, that resurrection power, is right here, right now. And it has nothing to do with this building. 
It has everything to do with what fills the building. Your hungry hearts, your thirst for righteousness is what will bring about that resurrection power. It is the very thing that will fill you and fill others. And when you walk outside these doors, you can experience the same transformational resurrection power of God. And so can everyone else who comes in contact with you. Do you want that resurrection power this morning? Well, last week, last Sunday, we shared a powerful message called Out of Reach. That's out of reach of the serpent. And in doing so, we are able to ride on the wings of an eagle. That is our king, our Jesus, who is resurrected and soaring high above all predators. In doing so, we have that confidence that is perfect love driving out fear. Because fear has to do with judgment, right? But perfect love drives out all fear. Well, then Pastor Wade picked it up with piercing promises. The penalty or judgment that should have fallen on us has fallen on him. He set us up good, too, during the message. We all fell for it. Y'all remember that moment when he quoted, he said, He died so that we could die. Oh, did y'all take that one, hook, line, and sinker? I did. Well, he died so that we could die to sin and live to righteousness. That was a powerful message. That's one to go back and listen to over and over again to get that hope that you are no longer underneath that penalty. You're no longer underneath that judgment, but that perfect love is to drive out that fear that results in having a confidence to live to righteousness. Well, the title of today's message, everybody say today. Today's message is Sin Crusher. Sin Crusher. Somebody told me that that was the name of a monster truck in Indonesia somewhere. I think that would be a beautiful name for a truck. Sin Crusher. You know, got pipes coming out, flames, black clouds of diesel smoke. Sin Crusher. When you get, when you give it the, the gas, it, you know, it shouts in tongues. I know when I'm resurrected, that's the kind of car I'm going to ask Jesus for. Let's start by turning to Genesis chapter 3, verse 14. And when you get there, I want you to say, crushed it. Crushed it. You got to say it with a Russian accent too. It makes it bold. Crushed it. There you go. This will be mainly this morning. So the Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and all the wild animals. You will crawl on your belly and you will eat dust all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. As the offspring of Adam and Eve, you and I, We have inherited something. One of the first things I see is that we've inherited a war. A war with a promise, though. You know, the day that you were born, you were made in the image of the living God, and that in and of itself made you an offspring of Adam and Eve and made as an offspring also of God himself. And by just the very image of what you look like, how you're composed of body, soul, and spirit, that makes you an enemy of this serpent. It makes you target number one out of all of creation of Satan himself. Well, I said it was with a promise, though. Because the kind of God that we serve is the almighty God. There is no God like him. And he is the God who not only has enlisted us into a war we didn't ask for, but he has promised us victory before we ever uh, fired the first shot. The promise that a foot of our king would crush the head of this serpent. You guys like snakes? I hate them. I hate them. Whenever I go fishing in the bayous of Louisiana... And I would see one crossing the bayou. I would rev my engine another 4,000 RPM just to make sure I chopped it up nice and good. 
I hate snakes. But think about it. Right now, it just so happened I had a homiletic, like somebody in the back with a bag with a snake in it. And I let it out. It's not venomous. It may even have been defanged, right? How would you guys treat that snake? I think you're a little more brave verbally than you would be physically. Right? Everybody's got a plan until they get punched in the mouth. I know half of you guys will be standing up on your chairs. Maybe some of you asking your wives to step on it. Amen. Not in this house. No, 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 that, that's a far cry of what the truth really looks like because I'm believing that everyone in this room has the faith and the confidence that you serve the sin-crushing power. Or you serve the God that has the sin-crushing power within you. That's underneath your heel that can go right on the neck of that serpent and put it immediately to death. Now, a physical serpent, it wouldn't make us freak out just for a moment and then we would rise up in the name of Jesus and crush it. But something that's a little more subtle is the sinful nature inside of us. It acts just like a serpent, doesn't it? You know, during the course of this war, all of mankind has been bitten by the sting of death, which is sin. We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Y'all aware of that scripture? Yeah, of course. You know, Satan wants nothing more than to see you cursed in the same way that he was. That means crawling on your belly and returning to the dust that you were made from. He wants to bring you down low, so low that you can't even live anymore. Sin takes you further than what, where you want to go. It's entertaining. It's sparkly. It's shiny. It has promises that are never fulfilled. And the only place it will lead you to is a tomb. It may be not physically death. It may be death of just having a right mind. And when the sinful mind is hostile to God, it cannot submit to God's laws. But the mind controlled by the Spirit is life and it is peace. That we have a choice to make. And that choice is, are we going to follow that deceptive, serpent-like power of sin within us? Or are we going to crush it underneath the feet of Jesus? We're going to crush it. Let's go to Psalm 44, verse 25. Say, crushed it whenever you get there. We are brought down to the dust. Our bodies cling to the ground. Before I move on to the next verse, all of you, I know at some point, have been in this place. That place where the weight and the the result and fruit of sin has brought you so low that you have become one with the dust. It's removed every hope of just getting up off the ground. Some of you, I'm sure, were lying physically, on the ground, crying out to God to rescue you before you were born again. Some of you, even after being born again, may have returned to that same state, giving in to that same snake bite that originally hit Adam and Eve. I want to tell you, not condemn you, I want to tell you a story, a message of hope this morning. You know, there's Therefore, now, no condemnation for those who are in. There is conviction, but there is no condemnation. In the same manner that we see hope in Genesis 3, I see hope in Psalm 44. And that though you become one with the dust, though you are lying on the ground, crying out to God, I am a dead man. What should then be done to come out of your mouth is the very next verse. Rise up. And help us. Come on, when you are dwelling in death as a result of your own sin, what should come out of your soul, out of your spirit, out of your every being is, Lord, rise up. Rise up and help us. Redeem us because of your unfailing love. Your chesed. 
your covenant loyalty. That God made man in his own image. And he put him in a place of being at war with the heavenly realms. He put him in a place of being at war with sin. And sin snake-bitten him. But God did not leave us powerless to fight back. You are not powerless to fight back against your own sinful nature. You have the ability to win. If you've ever said in your heart, you know, I want to be a follower of Jesus. I want to be all in. I want Jesus to be Lord. I know it's the right thing to do. I'm not really sure, though, if I will be a good Christian. I'm not sure if I'll be a faithful follower. I'm kind of predicting my own failure, and so I'm just going to get close enough to look like I am, but I'm not going to do it all the way. I'm going to basically limp up to the door of a hospital, sit in the ER, and tell everyone I'm here to see somebody else. But you're snake-bitten. You have flesh rotting where you were bitten, and that's in your heart. That there is an ever-growing decay going on inside of you. And you aren't willing to recognize or admit, take responsibility, that you're in a state of death. You can't let the words come out of your mouth. Rise up. Rise up and help us, O God. Oh, if there was one to mediate between me and the Lord, to put his hand upon my shoulder and his. Come on, what is the effect of sin supposed to do to mankind? It's supposed to make us cry out for resurrection power. It's supposed to make us call upon that covenant loyalty that God has with all of mankind. We know the scripture, John three sixteen, For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son. God gave His only Son so that you could have resurrecting, sin-crushing power. That there would be an antidote to your sin-bitten state. Let's look at this further. Go to Numbers 21. We'll start in verse 7. Say crushed it when you're there. The people came to Moses and said, We sinned when we spoke against the Lord and against you. Pray that the Lord take away the snakes from us. So Moses prayed for the people. Did the people take responsibility for their sin? Come on, talk to me this morning. Don't fall asleep. Yes, they took responsibility for their sin. That's step one. If you are dying as a result of your sin biting you, and there is a dec- decay of your soul, a decay of your spirit, even in a physical decay of your flesh, begin to take responsibility. Don't put it on somebody else. There are no victims in the kingdom of God, but there are only victors in the kingdom of God. But it begins with admitting your contribution. They took right responsibility for their own sin. But you know what I heard in this as a pastor? I heard they were asking for the wrong antidote. They're asking for the wrong question. They asked, they said, pray that the Lord take the snakes away from us. Hmm. reason I say as a pastor is because a lot of one-on-one meetings that we have. I have some of you guys saying, Pastor, pray for me. Pray for me that I no longer have lustful thoughts. Pray for me that I no longer have outbursts of anger. Pray for me that I no longer have jealousy or covetousness. Whatever facet of the sinful nature there is. And I kind of pause. I go, you know... Over the course of time, being in love with Jesus, aiding and being a part of ministry, I've cast out some demons. And it's fun. Let me be honest with you. It's fun. Because you just use that name of Jesus. It's not you. It's not your power. 
You're using the name of Jesus. And when you use that name, those demons tremble. If you just stand firm in that authority, they get cast out. We've cast out lots of demons right here at this altar. But that's not really the main point of the resurrection power. Though we can cast out demons, you know what we can't cast out? Our sinful nature. So many people ask the same question that we see here in Numbers 21. Pastor, pray that the Lord take my sinful nature away from me. No, I can't. What I can do, what I can do is point to you a bronze serpent on a pole. A symbol, an image of judgment. That it has taken your penalty for you. If you just get close enough to lock your eyes on that symbol. That serpent lifted up on a pole. Lock your eyes in it. Then what has been a result of being bitten will no longer harm you. We are not promised the removal of snakes in our life. What we're promised is resurrection power to put our heel on top of them. You know, the whole point of Resurrection Sunday is that when we celebrate this resurrection power, it is not just to resurrect our fleshly bodies whenever he returns back to earth. That is a promise. It is going to come. But it is to supply us with an unending, incomparable level of power to crush sin on a daily basis. What are you tapping into? On a daily basis, what are you tapping into to crush sin within you? Are you relying on rules and regulations? I tried it. It doesn't work. My own internal fortitude, my own strength, my willpower is not strong enough to put my heel on the serpent of my sinful nature. I need resurrection power. That began with a bronze serpent lifted up. That all men would be drawn unto him. Lock our eyes on him. And await that resurrection power to fill me. Now it is our responsibility to fight. It is our responsibility to go to that cross. But it's because that cross is leading us to an empty tomb. That is full of resurrection power. What exactly is your sinful nature? What's your carnal cravings? What are the fleshly fangs of your sinful nature? That one thing that just gets you every single time. Even you may have been successful overcoming that one sinful nature issue that you have for five, ten years. It's dead. It hasn't resurrected. I've been fighting other things. Well, all of a sudden, no, not all of a sudden, over the course of time, you have let your guard down just a little bit every single month. And after months or maybe a couple of years, that one thing rears its ugly head and bites you again. If that's you... Before or in Christ, snake bitten by your own sinful nature, there's hope. There's hope of resurrection power. In verse 8 of Numbers 21, he said, The Lord said to Moses, Make a snake and put it up on a pole. You know, in kindergarten, that was the one thing that I could make with Play Doh. That was the only thing I could make with Play Doh, is make a snake. If I were sitting here with Moses, I'd be like, yep, I got that job. I'm going to make a snake. Here's some Play-Doh. We'll put some bronze on it, put it on a pole. Anyone who is bitten can look at it and... Come on, say it with me. They can look at it and... And this is just for a select few, right? Anyone can look at it and live. What kind of gospel are we preaching? Outside of these four walls, but also within. Are we preaching a gospel that is not lifting up the image of dealing with sin? Basically, 
Are we holding up something else on a pole that is not Christ on a cross? Preaching love without repentance. Preaching power without first crucifying your own flesh. Trying to pray for people to get baptized in the Holy Ghost and they're not even born again. Saints, we have to start where God started in bringing resurrection power. We have to rightly deal with our sin, rightly deal with our sin-bitten state. And once we do, we can look at Him and see that the penalty that was to fall on us has fallen on Him. But the next part is even better, and we can begin to live. Now, we preach a lot about sin in this church because Jesus started His ministry by saying, repent. But that's not where we stay. In addition to repent, we're going to say resurrect. We are to repent and then we are to resurrect. We're to look at it and live. Go to John 12, verse 31. Now is the time for judgment on this world. Now the prince of this world will be driven out. But I... When I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all men to myself. He said this to show the kind of death that he was going to die. Jesus became the bronze serpent on the pole for us who were snake bitten by sin. This is how he could tell Martha that he was the resurrection and the life. Because he was going to be sin for us, he was therefore going to crush sin and crush what was attached to sin, and that is death itself. Do you all see the linear progression? Yes. If you don't, let's talk afterwards, and I'll explain it some more. But he was able to say in John eleven twenty four, I believe, I am the resurrection and the life. Because he had already taken up the position that he was going to be that serpent on a pole. And anyone who would look at him would live. So I'm just going to quote it for you. John 11:43. When he said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. If he were occasion, he would have said, Lazarus, come see, babe. Come on. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and cloth around his face. And Jesus said to him, take off the grave clothes and let him go. Take off the grave clothes and let him go. How many of you have been resurrected, but you're still wrapped in these linen burial garments? These righteous actions trying to cloak the death that once was inside of you. And God is saying to you this morning, take your grave clothes off. Take that old way of living, that old self-righteousness off. And be free to follow Jesus once again. Put on those linen garments of righteousness that He gives you. Clothe yourself with Christ. After repenting, be resurrected. Well, come on, we're to cast off the restraints of sin and death and live to obey the voice of God. He said, Lazarus, come out. In the same way, he's looking at you. And he's saying, whatever your name is, come out. Come out from that death, that grave way of living. Experience resurrection life because the only result of living in sin is going to be death. There is no other fruit. Everything else is temporal, it is false, it is hollow, and it will only leave you wanting more. But we have a king who is the resurrection and the life. We have a king who is calling out our name in reply to us saying, rise up, help us, O God. He's saying, yes, I have risen up, and I am coming to your aid. Walk out that grave and take off those grave clothes. Resurrection power, say resurrection power, is sin crushing power. Resurrection power is sin crushing power. Isaiah 52 verse 1, we begin to make this point more clear.
Awake, O Zion. Clothe yourself with strength. Put on your garments of splendor. O Jerusalem, the holy city, the uncircumcised and defiled will not enter you again. Shake off your dust. Come on, shake off your dust. One of the phrases the Lord gave to me as an empowerment over my sinful nature is that after I would quote a scripture against a fleshly and carnal thought, I would follow it with, get down, dirt. Get down, dirt. It meant something to me. Because as a young man in love with Jesus, every five to ten seconds, I was constantly bombarded with a thought that I did not want. And I was not pursuing any of it. It was that sinful nature inside of me. It was my responsibility. I tried to lay the blame on spiritual attack. But God said, no, this is your sinful nature. I'm going to empower you to do something about it. Use my word. Shake off that dust. What do you have to do with sinful thoughts, young men? You got to shake them off. You got to say, get down, dirt. You have to clothe yourself with strength and put on garments of splendor. You have to live up to the name of Jesus that has redeemed and purchased you from death. It's your responsibility to fight. Ladies, your emotions that go crazy and have all kind of wild thoughts and begin to forecast failure in every direction and then some. Shake off that dust. Clothe yourself with strength. Put on the garments of splendor. Live up to the image that God has given you. And watch his strength, his resurrecting power become sin-crushing power inside of you. Shake off the dust. Rise up. Sit enthroned, O Jerusalem. Free yourself from the chains on your neck, O captive daughter of Zion. Resurrection power is sin-crushing power. It's chain-breaking power. It is garments of splendor kind of power. Come on, no leisure suit has anything on the garments that God will dress you in. No Italian tailor can make the garments that Christ will give us. But how do we get there? Yeah, that's really good news. That's that's better than Italian shoes of good news. Romans chapter 6, let's start in verse 8. Say crush it when you get there. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. Is that right? Of course it is. I'm reading the word. (laughs) For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. It's a very logical pattern. Death no longer has mastery over him. Is that something to celebrate? Of course it is. The death he died, he died to sin. Once for some. He died to sin once for Amen. But the life he lives, he lives to God. Saints, isn't it liberating to know that we serve a resurrected king that demonstrated resurrection power? Isn't it liberating to know that this resurrection power is sin-crushing power? Who is the one and only sin-crusher? Come on, who is the one and only sin-crusher? No, he is not the one and only sin crusher. You are a sin crusher alongside with Jesus. You have that resurrection power within you. It is your responsibility. He started out by saying, now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. That's not just the end times resurrection. That is right now. Are you tired of dealing with sin? I'm tired of dealing with your sin. I'm tired of dealing with my own sin. I want to encourage myself. I want to encourage you. I want to encourage anyone who's listening or watching this. It's time to rise up in resurrection power. It's time to have sin crushing power. Let's defeat it. Verse 11. 
In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. Do not offer the parts of your body to sin as instruments of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life. And offer the parts of your body to him as instruments of righteousness. What's it like to be brought from death to life? We know, you know, I've watched resurrection power in nearly every single person in this room. I've watched God bring you from death to life. Andrew Hayes listened to a message called Cult Leader. January of 2017. It was a great message. It should mess you up. Listening to that message, he was then spurred on So I must go to that church and find out what they're about because I sense resurrection power inside of that body. So he would drive two and a half or three hours every weekend to be part of us because what we possessed was resurrection power. It was sin crushing power. That was the very thing that he needed. But you know, ever since we were just a home church, In Sugarland, opening up our homes to anyone who wanted to come over for a Bible study. You had some that would date us. Some that would just visit us for one night. You had some that maybe faithfully attend for a couple of months and then find something bigger and better to go on to. But the one thing that we have always aimed at is transformational, resurrecting, sin-crushing power. The result is what you see sitting around you right now. What you see are saints that are faithful, that are chosen followers of the king, that are crushing sin underneath their foot every single day. You cannot be a serious follower of Jesus and dabble in sin. You are either hot or cold. You cannot be lukewarm. The devil will make sure of it and so will God. You have to choose what side you're on. And if what you're choosing is death, I hope you don't. The fruit of sin, the temporal fruit of sin, is never worth the eternal fruit of sin. You say, well, pastor, you know, I don't have... You know, a sexually immoral problem. I don't have an anger problem. No, you may not. But what you may have is a lordship problem. We call them in our psychological terms of today as control issues. You have control issues. Because there's no way to experience resurrection power without making Jesus Lord. The very first command... I'm the Lord your God who delivered you out of Egypt. You are to have no other gods beside me. You cannot serve two masters. You will love one and you will hate the other. When it comes down to it, do not fool yourself in thinking that you're able to appease or satisfy the righteous requirements of God while also satisfying the snake-bitten sinful nature inside of you. You can't live in both worlds. You got to be rescued. Romans 8, 12. Let's turn there. Say crushed it when you get there. Therefore, brothers, we have an obligation. But it is not to the sinful nature. Why would he have to say that? Because you feel like you have an obligation to a sinful nature, right? Has anyone ever fasted for more than two days? You'll become familiar with that obligation real quick. Somewhere around 1230 to 2 o'clock a.m. I have to eat something. I'm going to harm my body if I don't. 
Well, that's just fasting for a couple of days. I mean, we get hangry if we just miss lunch or, or, or dinner. But what we're talking about is starving out the sinful nature. Starving it out with resurrection power. That will eventually crush it out. But we have an obligation. And it's not to the sinful nature to live according to it. For if you live according to the sinful nature, you will you will die. There's no other fruit from that. There's no other addendum or clause that says, mm, except in this one area. It's okay. Not at all. But here's the, the next part that's the true turn. Part of that shaking off the dust and rising up and being clothed with strength and splendor. How do you walk in resurrection power? What's the practical aspect? Well, it begins with, as we continue. If, I'm sorry, uh, for if you live according to the sinful nature, you will die. But if, if by the Spirit, you put to death the misdeeds of the body, and you will live. Live by the Spirit of God, and it will simultaneously put to death your sinful nature. That was the main heartbeat of what God gave me for this message to share with you, is that you have resurrection power in order to put to death your flesh. You walk in that consistently day after day, year after year, and when you die, then you have resurrection power filling your flesh, overpowering it, giving you a new body. Given you that garment of splendor and glory and strength in a resurrected body. But before we can obtain that resurrected body then, we can obtain a resurrected life right now. We can walk in that same exact power that was exerted in Christ's body when he was raised from the dead. Right now. Let's go to Ephesians 1, starting verse 19. There you go. You know who crushed it? Aside from Jesus, LCM worship team with that song, Ain't No Grave. They're going to crush it again whenever we get done because I love that song. Why do I love that song? It's because it rings true in the heart and soul of every human being. That every bit of man's effort is to escape death. Every culture, not just Americans. Every culture is constantly look, looking for a cure to extend life, which is a temporal escape from death. But sin will always lead you there. And his incomparably great power is for us who believe. That power, say that power. That power is like the working of his mighty strength, which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him. At his right hand in the heavenly realms. Think about that. Let's not move too far past that. This is that one day where every bit of imagery that we see in the word, in history, is an empty tomb. That in that empty tomb lie the body of our Savior, our King, the Son of God, His one and only Son. And in that very spot was exerted all the power of heaven to overcome hell in that very spot it overcame not just death itself but the very weight of sin of all of mankind because remember the penalty that should have fallen on us fell on him he wasn't paying for his sin he was paying for yours And because he entrusted himself to the living God, to the one who could save his soul, he had that mighty working of power resurrect his body. Right out of the depths of Hades, right out of the clutches of sin, right out of the snake-bitten state that you and I put him there for. Now, what are we supposed to do with it? You know, I've been to the Via Della Rosa. I walked down that street. I've been to the garden tomb. I stood in the tomb that's supposed to be the tomb. 
that he resurrected out of. You know, I walked in that tomb. You know what I felt? Nothing. I walked in that empty tomb and I felt absolutely nothing. Maybe a little bit chilly and it was, it was kind of musty in there. But I felt absolutely nothing in that tomb. You know why? Because that resurrection power wasn't meant to dwell in that tomb. That resurrection power was meant to dwell within you. That sin-crushing, resurrecting power is designed to inhabit the members of the kingdom of God. It's meant to inhabit those that recognize their sin-bitten death state and are crying out, Lord God, resurrect me out of this grave. We have access to that at all times. Colossians 3, verse 1. Let's turn there. Since then, you have been raised with Christ. Who in this house has been raised with Christ? Come on, who in this house has been raised with Christ? Set your hearts on things above. I'm going to give you three practical steps of how to continue to live in resurrection power. I want to do more than just espouse these fanciful platitudes with big general words. I want to help your feet crush the head of the sinful nature within you. We start as a response to being raised with Christ. We start with setting our hearts on things above. By doing so, or in doing so, we're constantly letting God's Word judge the thoughts and attitudes of our heart. That's Hebrews 4.12. By interacting with God's Word on a consistent, daily, microsecondly, that's a new word I just made up, a microsecondly basis, we're allowing our hearts to be set on what is heavenly. We're allowing our hearts to resurrect and rise up and achieve the very same heart that God has. If you are not letting God's word direct, if not confront and judge the thoughts and attitudes of your heart, then your heart is going to lead you astray. You know, Saul's response whenever Samuel walked up and Samuel saw that Saul had not put to death all the enemies, had not put to death all the plunder. I felt compelled. That is usually the response that I have and that you have after we sin. You know, I just, I felt compelled. I I was kind of helpless. It drug me away and made me sin. Never, never, never. You gave in to your sinful nature. You did not utilize that resurrecting, sin-crushing power that you had access to. So you start with God's word to begin to resurrect your soul. And that starts with your heart. The very center of your being that guides and directs everything that you do. And when you start with the heart and God's word directing it, we then see the next thing that Paul says. Set your minds on things above. You know, if I begin to try and just set my mind on things above, but my heart is not, it's going to be a war. It's going to be a battle. And most of the time, because I'm not smart, my heart is going to outwit me. Right? Because because your heart is the center. It's the compass for what you want. It's the compass for what you desire. It's the center of your being. And your mind will usually side and justify with whatever your heart wants. It's deceptive. So deceptive. You guys know your own thoughts and even your actions. You sat there and mulled them over again and again, plotting, justifying how this offense was real, how this next sinful step was okay. It was justified. But when we begin to set our hearts on things above and then set our minds, now we're getting some shalom inside the temple of God. Now we're able to let that resurrection power crush our sinful nature. You got to gang up on it. 
You got to crush it by setting your hearts and setting your minds. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. Say, I'm dead. And in him, I'm alive. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Verse 5, put to death. Put to death. Therefore, whatever belongs to somebody else's sinful nature. No, that's the easy part. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your sinful nature. So, Pastor, what you're saying is that, you know, I come down to the altar and I just wait long enough until Jesus puts it to death for me. No. No, not at all. Oh, okay. So, call my pastor every time I have an impure thought so he can pray with me. That's not going to do it. That can be part of the process. But what I'm asking you to do first is set your hearts, set your minds, and then you put that thought to death in the name of Jesus. You access that resurrecting power that is sin-crushing power. Once you set your hearts on things above, once you set your minds on things above, that you have taken the responsibility to put to death your earthly nature, you are a resurrected sin-crusher. You join the ranks of Jesus And that your heel along with his is crushing the head of that serpent that deceived mankind at the very beginning. Let's go to Revelation 3. Come on. Not just this morning, but moving forward in a greater way from this morning. We're going to shake off the dust. We're going to say, dirt, get down. And we're going to rise up to the divine nature that God has given us. You say, verse 17, you say, I am rich, I have acquired wealth, and do not need a thing. But you do not realize that you are wretched. Wretched. That's a fancy English word, isn't it? I'm not that educated. I can't help but think of like a witch on a Disney movie. Wretched, all knotted up in the face and ugly and hideous. You do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire so you can become rich. This kind of threw me for a loop for a second. So, okay, wait a minute. I buy from you gold, refined in the fire, I got that, so I can become rich. So, how do I buy gold? How do I buy gold from God? Gold throughout the word has always represented divinity. Which of you emptied your 401k and purchased divinity? You bought your own born-again nature. Who's done that? I mean, that is a pyramid scheme of all pyramid schemes. You could name it, I am the way. Amway. Anyway. So anyway. (laughs) I begin to think about that. How do you purchase divinity? We don't have the resources to purchase divinity. But he's saying, I counsel you to purchase this. Beginning with salvation. God's asking something from you that you cannot afford. Ladies, this is like going shopping at the Galleria and your bank account is empty. You don't even want to drive down Westheimer. You don't you don't walk in front of DSW. No store whatsoever is like, I don't want to look at that because I can't afford it. Guys, you drive by maybe a, a, a car lot or you go to a Bass Pro Shop or wherever else that you really enjoy going. And when we don't have the ability to purchase what we want, we usually stay far away from it. You know, that is the very state that nearly everybody is in when it comes to the divine nature of God. They stay far away from God because they know it's unattainable in their own strength. Well, they got that right. That is true. 
But how do we receive that divine nature? How do we purchase that gold refined by fire? Revelation 5, 9 speaks to that. You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals because you were slain and with your blood you purchased men for God from every tribe, language, and people and nation. He purchased us by his blood so he could fill us with his divine nature and resurrecting sin-crushing power. His blood is the currency that has purchased the divine refined gold that is now dwelling within you. And with it comes along the remainder of what we saw in Revelation 3 and white clothes to wear. You know, divine nature has to come before there is divine righteousness or righteous acts. What I want for everybody in this room is an evaluation. Are you walking in the divine nature that the blood of Jesus has purchased for you? Are you then robed, clothed in the fine linen garments of his righteous deeds on your shoulders? Are you covered by his garments, removing the shameful nakedness of your sinful state? Do you have the salve, the healing balm of his presence on your eyes so that you can see clearly? Are you experiencing on a daily basis that resurrecting power that results in sin crushing power? Because in order to resurrect, if I were just to lay down here on the ground, I would need to plant my feet and apply pressure as I stand my body up. You need to look at your sinful nature in that same way. In order to rise up to your divine nature, or as you rise up to your divine nature, you're going to put your foot on the heel of your sinful nature and apply pressure as you rise up. So I want you guys to rise up right now. Stand to your feet. Even rock back a little bit on your heels and see what that feels like. To have all that weight and force in that one area. And that it will eventually be the head of the serpent. It will be the head of Satan himself. But right now, it needs to be the head of your sinful nature. And you can only apply that pressure because resurrecting powers that work within you. Let's put up for everybody to read Second Peter chapter 1 verse 3. Come on, I know it's Easter Sunday. Chocolate bunnies are calling your name. Roasted rabbit. Maybe even barbecued brisket. But nothing compares to the resurrecting power of God that we can partake of right now. His divine power has given us some things. His divine power has given us what? Everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of Him. Who called us by His own glory and goodness. That verse in and of itself is beautiful. It's right on target for today's topic of resurrection. But that's not where we're going to stop. Let's go to verse 4. Through these, He has given us His very great and precious promises. So that through them, you may participate in the divine nature. And what's the result? Having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. I want everybody in this room to experience the escaping of their own evil desires by inheriting and participating in the divine nature that God is giving. It is available for everyone. You only stay in the grave because you choose to stay in the grave. Now you may be saying to yourself, yeah, that's so-and-so over there. That's my family member on this side of town. No, no, no. I want you to evaluate your heart. I want you to evaluate every area of your life. Where is it that you're not applying sin-crushing power as a result of resurrection power? Let's put it to death. And as we do, we're going to rise up. 
We're going to shake off the dust. We're going to celebrate. We're going to sing Ain't No Grave Again. Because today is the day to celebrate our liberation from the control and mastery of sin. And there we have the hope of a resurrection and that death won't hold us down. Mighty God, we thank you for your resurrecting power. We thank you for your blood has allowed us to purchase a divine nature, that gold refined by fire. That we're asking, open our eyes. Open our eyes this morning. Let us see clearly ourselves and no one else. Let us look into the mirror of your word and see our state rightly. What do we need? Where is it that your blood needs to be sprinkled and applied that we may receive gold refined by fire? Let your divine nature rise up inside of us this morning, mighty God. Let it crush our sinful nature. Let it put to death everything that belongs to it. Let us then have an obligation to be an instrument of righteousness. We love you, Jesus. We thank you for being alive. We thank you for being alive, Jesus.